Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Don Brock. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. It's good seeing you today. We want to welcome those who are joining us online and uh, you join us week after week. We're thankful for you and and uh, we hope that uh, you'll be able to join us back at some point. And uh, But those of you who are in other cities, we are glad that you're joining us today. We're going to continue studying this series on love like that. And today we're going to talk about how, uh, about being approachable. Um, you know, have you ever gone to Facebook and you see a picture of some of your really good friends and there's a group of them, they have gone to a movie together or they've gone out to eat together or they've gone on a little day trip together and you're sitting there looking at it and going, why was I not invited? Did you ever have one of those moments? You know, you feel like, well, why was I left out? I mean, these are my friends. And, and uh, it, you know, you just feel like they just forgot about me or they're going on to other friends or what, you know, you, you just feel weird. You, you feel probably a little hurt. And, uh, and especially, you know, you, you almost want to invite yourself, but then you feel weird about that. Well, we're going to be talking about a story today, uh, about an individual who they didn't even have that. They never were apart and they never felt they were never invited anywhere. Um, and, but she chose to basically crash a party. And, and um, as a result, she found salvation. And so this is a great story about Jesus. And, and I, I think there's a great deal that we can learn from this. So we're gonna see how Jesus was approachable by people that most others would wanna not have anything to do with. And so let's begin reading the story out of Luke chapter seven, beginning at verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. Now, um, later we'll find out that this guy's name is Simon, the Pharisee. And to invite Jesus to a dinner we don't know why he invited him. Maybe it was to trick him or trap him, or maybe it was to see if he was really who he said he was to test him. We, we just don't know. <clears throat> and, uh, and so it was a custom of that day that when someone had a dinner party was to provide their guest with uh, their feet to be cleaned I mean, back then the roads weren't paved, <clears throat> they were dirt, dirty, and, and if it was hot and dirty and, and <clears throat> you would get all this all over your feet, you would show up at somebody's house and your feet kind of nasty and you didn't feel good, uh, they didn't feel good. And so to usually you had a servant who was right there and they would wash those feet for you to cool them off, get the dirt off, <clears throat> and... Um, this was usually one of the lowest positions uh, a servant would have in a person's house. In fact, that when Jesus was with his disciples and he began to wash their feet, 
it was very symbolic of how he was going to take on one of the lowest jobs of a servant <coughs> that he could have in a home because <coughs> to sit there and handle people's nasty, dirty feet, that was not a fun thing to do. And so as we'll, it'll point out later in this episode, uh, he, Simon didn't provide any of this for Jesus. Uh, so for special, also for special parties, they would have these reclining type pillows where people could just kind of recline around and they would be served and they could eat their dinner and have conversation and make it relaxing. And, and so in fact, there's several of these kind of stories that are in scripture in the, in the gospel that are actually a different event altogether. <clears throat> we read about a time when Jesus is in Bethany and he is uh, in the home of Lazarus and then one of Lazarus's sisters anoints Jesus with oil. Well, this was not that event. Uh, so when Jesus was anointed with oil, it was more than once. And, and so now we get to this position, this situation uh, that happened in Galilee and it involved a certain woman. We don't know her name, <clears throat> but we have a clue what her occupation may be. So it says, when a certain immoral woman from the city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. So she arrived, she would have never been invited to this party, never. So it wasn't like some of her friends were invited and she got left out. She would have never been included. But it was kind of customary that when a rabbi, and Jesus was identified as a rabbi, would go to a person's house, you could invite yourself and go to hear what the rabbi had to say. It, that was allowed. So even though she was not invited, she could invite herself and it wouldn't be seen as a, as a bad thing. So chances are, in Simon's home, they were <clears throat> sitting around, lounging around, reclining around a table that they would be eating from. And there'd be all these other people around them that just came to hear what the rabbi had to say. And, and so this woman was a part of that group. It says, then she knelt behind him, Jesus, at his feet, weeping. She was broken. Her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. Now the length of a woman's hair, that was in the Bible is considered her glory and they never would cut their hair. So for her to be able to do that is not unusual, but it would mean that she would have to lean down close to the floor and then not only that, she kept kissing his feet and putting the expensive perfume on them. So as this woman knelt behind Jesus, her tears began to fall. And now it was a normal sign of respect when somebody entered your home that you would put some olive oil on their head as an anointing and as a blessing, but that didn't happen here. Maybe she didn't feel like she was worthy to be able to do that for, uh, for Jesus. And, and then she would choose to do that 
on his feet. And not only she didn't use the olive oil, which was very common and not very expensive, she used very elaborate, very expensive perfume that would have cost her a great deal of money. And so as she, perhaps, perhaps she felt unworthy, whatever it was, such an act amounted to a large financial outlay. So she bent over Jesus, wiped her tears off his feet with her own hair, constantly kissing his feet as a sign of utmost respect and submission and affection. Now, this passage does not tell us specifically why she was weeping, but we begin to figure it out. She knew who Jesus was. Maybe she decide, decided beforehand that Jesus must be the Messiah. Maybe she had heard of the healings and she had heard of the forgiveness and maybe she had already accepted him as Savior and Lord. And so maybe she was there just expressing her great joy. Or maybe she, wasn't, she hadn't made that decision at all, but she just had incredible hope that Jesus indeed was the Messiah because her life was a wreck. <clears throat> I mean, probably she was a prostitute. We don't, it doesn't tell us, but when a person, when they would say she was a sinner in the community, that was usually an indication, yeah, she was probably a prostitute. And uh, even the, the perfume might have been part of her trade, and maybe it was a sign that she was stepping away from that sinful lifestyle. We, we don't know. And when the Pharisees, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he took a different approach. He said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She is a sinner. You see, he was thinking legalistically because if you allowed this kind of woman to touch you, it made you ceremonial, ceremonially unclean. And therefore, you could not go to the temple. You could not go to the synagogue until you went through a cleaning process. And so here again, the Pharisee was thinking about appearance not thinking about the heart. He was thinking about the outside. And he was thinking, why would a prophet allow this to happen? He obviously is not a prophet because he would know. In fact, sadly, Jesus knew more than this guy had a clue about. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. I like that. Jesus knew what he was thinking. I mean, he's Jesus. And so Jesus began to respond to his thoughts. And he's done that several times with religious snobbery. And so here's another religious snob, and he knows exactly what they're thinking, and he responds. So he says, Simon, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher. Then Jesus told him this story. 
A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to another. Now, these pieces of silver would have been a denarii, which was the equivalent of one day's wage. So to the one guy with 50 pieces, that, that's basically two months of wages that he loaned him. So no small amount. <clears throat> but the one with 500, 10 times that, uh, that would be the equivalent of over a year's wage. You imagine somebody loaning you the money of over a year wages that you earn. And Jesus said, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave both of them. Canceling their debts. Oh, wow. What a friendship. So who do you suppose loved him more than that uh, after that? And Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right. That's exactly right. So Jesus, knowing Simon's thought, taught him a parable. And he applied that parable to the woman. So right after that, he turned to the woman. So now for the first time, he's actually addressing her into this process. So he turned to the woman and he said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. You know, when I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet. You you didn't have a servant to wash my feet. You didn't even give me a a bowl of water to wash my own feet. You didn't do that. And yet she's been washing my feet with her tears and wiping them with her hair ever since I got here. You didn't greet me with a kiss. I mean, that was the standard custom that men would kiss each other on the cheek and as they entered each other's home. Glad we don't do that one anymore. But from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. Basically, Peter is saying to, uh, uh, Jesus is saying to Simon, look, the, the minimum that you should have done, she is doing extravagantly and hasn't stopped since I arrived. I mean, you should have at least given me a bowl of water and greeted me with a holy kiss. And she's gone way beyond what you should have done. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head. But she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many. So Jesus didn't try to downplay that she was not that bad of a sinner. He acknowledged, yeah, she's, she's committed a lot of sins. And how did he know that? Just like he knew Simon's thoughts. I tell you, her sins have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. So Jesus is telling us when she showed up, she already had accepted who Jesus was. 
And she was naturally responding to him being the Messiah. She knew and demonstrated and lived out. He's the one that will forgive me of my sin. This lifestyle that I've chosen. I'm talked about behind my back by everyone. And these two-faced Pharisees who call me a sinner, but at night they come to visit. You know, she wasn't attracted to their religion at all because what they said and what they did were two different things. I mean, I wonder how many people have not considered Christ because they see in you a double standard. You, you say one thing with your words, but you do something else with your actions. So she obviously had accepted Jesus and she was basically giving evidence that she loved Jesus, that she realized that he was the way she could be forgiven and she was forgiven for much. She realized that she was a sinner and that she needed forgiveness and in contrast, Simon saw himself as pure and righteous and therefore did not need to treat Jesus in a special manner. Who really was the bigger sinner? I would say Simon for his spiritual arrogance, his snobbery, his elitism, his holier than thou. And Simon didn't even extend to Jesus the normal courtesies of the day. My guess is Simon didn't think Jesus could do anything for him. Maybe Simon only did what was courtesy to those who could do something for him. Allow him to get to the next level. Allow him to gain a little more Priority allow him to be a little more special. In other words, he treated people with special favoritism who could do something for him. Whereas Jesus treated people with love and compassion who could do nothing for him. There's nothing they could give him that he didn't already have. I mean, he was king of the universe. So how do you look at people? Do you look at people based on what they can do for you or do you look at them based on what Jesus needs to do for them? Let's finish out the verses. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. I, I think she already felt that. I think Jesus said that for the benefit of those around him. Because the men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, see, he could care less what they think at this point. Your faith has saved you. Now go in peace. Go in the peace that I give. I'm giving you a peace that nobody else can give you. 
I'm giving you a peace that nobody can take away from you. I'm giving you a sense of belonging that you've longed for because now you belong to my family. I give you new purpose for living. I wonder if there's some of you here today, you long for that peace. Maybe it's just missing. You try so hard to appease Jesus, but it's not anything that you can do that will appease him. It's simply your faith. And he told this woman, it was your faith that saved you. Not the perfume you put on your, my feet, not the number of times you kissed my feet, not how many tears that you shed. All that was a consequence, a result of your forgiveness. Your, that's just your gratitude. You see, that's not what saved you. It was your faith that you believed that saved you. There, there's nothing that you can do that would cause Jesus to love you more than he already does. So Jesus was not forgiven because of her love. Rather, she loved because she was forgiven. Her faith brought her salvation, just as your faith brings you salvation. Though Jesus in this interchange with Simon never explicitly stated his claim to be the Messiah. He spoke as he did because he was the Messiah. And the only other person in that room that believed that he was the Messiah was the biggest sinner of all. And she found forgiveness. And she found peace. And one day you will meet her in heaven because she is there. So there are three things that I see in these verses that need to be true of us. Jesus was always approachable. It didn't matter what kind of sinner they were. He's always approachable. There's nothing in your life, anything that you've done that would prevent you from being able to approach Jesus. He's always approachable. Are you approachable? Can anybody come to you to ask you about your faith? Or are you cautious about who you, who you want to be seen with? Secondly, Jesus loves us in spite of our mess. In spite of the fact that she probably had the worst reputation in the, t in the town, uh, he loved her anyway. And your mess does not cause Jesus to stop loving you. He invites you to come to him with all of your mess. And lastly, Jesus waits on you to open the door. She opened up the door to Jesus and he came in. It came into her life. See, if are you waiting for an invitation? <laughs> You've already got it. And the, the Bible says, the, here, here's what the Bible says. In Revelation 3.20, Jesus said this. Look, 
I stand at the door and knock. So the king of the universe, the creator of the universe is standing at the door of your heart and he's knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, here's what's going to happen. I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. You will find peace because you will have forgiveness. Your life will forever be changed, but you have to open the door. I will never force my way into anybody's life. You open the door. Let's pray.